All right, guys, we're back with another podcast. Uh, we'll hop right into it. Of course, I have Kevin Brown. Say hi, Kevin. Hello. Hey, so Kevin is back. We're going to look at my power, which now has gone down to one battery, which is brilliant. So we'll keep an eye on that. And if we have to stop, we'll stop. So uh, we mentioned in the last couple of episodes, I just I, I almost felt that there was like a, like a TV show or something with, with Kevin Brown with respect to the phone calls that he gets because he's the, I don't know, you're the, uh, what, what are those, uh, the movies out there? You know, you're the fixer call him when there's a problem to come in and clean it up kind of thing, like you know, like a hitman or something. But So if there's an issue with somebody, they call Kevin, and Kevin figures it out. And to me, that's fascinating because us as on the sideline detailers, uh, listening in or looking through the, the looking glass, if you will, you learn a lot about you know what's going on, and you can apply it to yourself. So pretty basic stuff. So the question that I think pops up, and we talked about this off camera, off camera, <laughs> listen to me, off camera. Yeah, we're on camera right now, off radio. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Off camera. That's to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm filming you right now. You don't even know. Uh, yeah. Is that people ask, hey, uh, I I'm throwing everything I possibly can the kitchen sink, you know, at this at this paint, and it's not cutting it. This is the hardest paint in the world. Now, you and I have talked about this a little bit, and you motivated motivated me to shoot a video, which is doing pretty well to kind of educate people on hard versus soft. So the question I'm posing to you, Kevin, on podcast land, because maybe some people don't watch the videos, is when somebody comes to you and says, hey, this paint is rock hard. There's nothing I can do with it. Like, Kevin, how do I fix this? Like, what is your thought process and how do you assess somebody? Like, what would you tell me or John Smith of how to uh, approach that car? Hey, it's a Mercedes. It's really hard. Kevin, that's it. I, I got to sand it. What do you say to this guy? Well, I think that I've seen this enough times, heard this enough times to know that in general, our compounds, our pads are plenty capable of grinding away paint on any automotive surface that that's out there right now. So, so the first thing is it's not the paint. It's, it's not, right. it's, it's not, not the not, tools preventing you from doing it. Is that what you're yeah, saying? It, exactly. It may, may be hard paint uh, by comparison to a soft paint, but, and you had touched on this in one of your videos you were attempting to explain what we talked about. And, and basically I was trying to say, look, you can basically chew on a donut or a hard candy, but your teeth are capable of crunching both of those to smithereens. It's not a problem of not being able to bite through the food. You know, it's just, it, if you're having a problem with one of the later or more up-to-date compounds cutting paint, it's probably not because the paint's too hard. So a really good case in point came up two or three months ago with a guy that has a, a very long background in the body shop realm. So he's a very capable guy. I mean, you could talk to the guy and immediately the guy's up to speed on not only all the body shop stuff, because he's done it for all his life, but he also was up to speed in paint polishing. And he had all the up-to-date machines and liquids, everything that you would want he had. So the call was, hey, I really didn't want to make this call. I really didn't want to have to call you, but I don't know what to do. I am working on, truthfully, the hardest paint I've ever buffed, ever. And he sent me photos of this really scoured up paint job, black, black vehicle, you know, typical GM paint. Okay, and it is notorious. I mean, it just it does seem to have some issues, but. This thing was really scoured up. So I said, hey, what is this I'm looking at? Because that's the area that I sanded with 3,000 grit and hit with a wool pad 
and, and a heavy cut compound. And, and I'm telling you, this thing looked like it just had been scrubbed with a broom. It was really scoured up. Mm. And it's like, that's 3,000 grit and a wool pad and a heavy cut compound. Yeah, we're not actually buffing on paint. I said, okay, I think I know what the issue is. So let's do some tests. And the number one thing that we try to do is control the area that we're buffing. We have to have a control. So the first thing I'll have them do is not buff a wide, vast area, not a two foot by two foot or a one foot by three foot. We're doing single one-way passes. We're doing one lane. You're going to stay in your lane. You're going to put your machine down, start, go left to right. That's your lane we're working on now. Don't go out of the lane. And the reason is because we're going to try to grind away that, that layer of paint or that layer of scratch marks. Okay. So that's the first thing you do is minimize your test area by keeping it in that one lane. And my, my thought process was immediately, you're not buffing the paint. There's something you're not seeing right. on the paint. Yeah. And so of course I'd ask them, do you know if the car's ever been coated? No, it's never been coated. I've been taking care of it since it's new. And one of the things he said is what really made me focus. And I already had this inclination. This was the problem. He said, this car, no, I've, I've known this car since it was new. This person drives it through the car wash twice a week, buys the top of the line, everything about on this, this person's top of the line, you know, always the best of the best. Okay. I had a pretty good idea that more than likely what was happening was going through the car wash, buying the top of the line, you know, the brushless wash, buying the top of the line package, which includes the spray wax twice a week, all the time. The stuff that we all say is the worst stuff, garbage, not durable. Well, guess what? It was holding off 3,000 grit and a wool pad with a heavy cut compound from a 24-year veteran of the body shop and, and wow. polishing three. Yeah. And so even, even guys like that have this issue where something is seemingly inferior as a misted on $4 wax would stall the cut of the top of the line pads, liquids, machines, and guys out there. And it did. So, of course, he was very skeptical about what I was asking him to do, but he did it. And so we would do this single one-way passes. I would tell him, here's what you need to do without getting in too many brands or whatever. I'd say, super prime the pad. Okay, well, what do you mean by super prime? Well, pretend that the bottle fell off your the cap of your compound is poured over on the hood and you say, well, I guess I'll just use that, that much. You want a bunch, you want to slather it. We want, we're going to use so much compound that uh, I said, I'm hoping whatever's on the surface of the paint, we're going to grind it away. And he didn't think there was anything on the paint because he'd already stripped it with wax and grease remover and IPA. Again, same thing we've talked about in the past. He's using a multitude of stripping agents yet that stuff was impervious to him. Okay. Right. So, so that was a previous, for people listening, that was a previous podcast, a couple of podcasts ago, we talked about the difference between, you know, IPA wipe versus, you know, sort of uh, shock and all grinding it down, whatever. So that's what, just hop it in there. Make sure you check out yeah. that podcast as well. Yeah. But continue. The hope is you miss the product on, you let it sit there for 30 seconds, you wipe it off and boom, you've got a clean surface. Well, there's, there's certain things that just don't break down that quickly or you don't get absorbency of your mist and wipe 
into the product to cause it to degrade to where it actually falls off you know, or gets wiped away. So the same thing happened to him. Um, and who knows how thick this stuff actually was. So anyway, to get to the point, single one-way path. I want you to do a single one-way path, left to right. You're going to use that quantity of liquid. You're going to go left to right, normal pressure, normal speed, and wipe it off. There's going to be a bunch left over. We're going to wipe it off and tell me the difference. So I can actually hear the machine running. I'm waiting. I'm hearing the machine. It's going. It stops. He wipes it, and he says nothing. I said, okay, nothing. Yeah, it didn't change. Nothing changed. Okay, good. Blow the pad out. Let's do it again. So you, I can already hear the frustration, you know, because the guy's frustrated. Like, where is this going? This is stupid. Well, did it again. Said, Left to right. Is one this way the pass, third, third time he's done this? Like, how many well, passes are we on? Time, second time, nothing. Do it one more time. I said, you can bump the speed up, add a little tilt on the machine because he's using a large stroke machine. And third time, yeah, it's, I think it's a little better. I think it's cutting. Okay, good. So we went through several different passes. Right. And, and eventually, at some point, he said, you know, I said, how's it? I said, let me ask you this. When you apply the liquid and you do your one-way pass and you stop, you can see the liquid sitting on the surface. Is it actually beating up? Is it actually beating up like beating water? So, well, it's definitely standing. It's definitely sitting on the surface. Okay, well, at some point we got to the point where, hey, it's not looking the same as it once was. It's changing. And the pad feels different. It feels like it's sliding different. Well, those are all telltale signs that we're getting through the goop. We're getting through the stuff that's causing his problem. And, and, and eventually broke through it, took out the defect. And it wasn't the hardest paint ever. It was that it was layered in this stuff that he couldn't get to the paint. And it was mine was just blown and just like, I can't believe this. This is crazy, you know? So I said, look, the whole car is covered in this. This is a big car. It was a Tahoe or a Suburban or, you know, something of that size. I said, you can use your IPA or you can use your IPA, but better yet, you can use your wax and grease remover. He's used it for decades in the body shop. I said, but instead of misting and wiping it, saturate it float it get it on there don't let it dry spray it on there spray on some more another minute and let's let it stand on the surface for a couple minutes i don't think it's going to just cause this polymer or sealant to fall off but maybe it's enough time that it penetrates and it'll cut away more rapidly and that's exactly what happened was after saturating it for a couple or a few minutes per panel wiping it down and then doing your initial cut, the initial cut was way quicker. So uh -huh. I was able to cut that away much more rapidly, blow the pad out, and get the job done quicker. And I never did, you know, I did get a, a final feedback of he did verify with the customer that, in fact, he was buying the top-of-the-line uh, package and, indeed, getting the spray sealant on every time she went through the car wash. So it was, it was a, a case in point of, Exactly what we've talked about in the past, even stalled somebody that this guy was sharp. I mean, don't get me wrong. He was just a sharp guy and knew every, knew what he was doing, but had never contemplated that. It totally changed the way he's working on cars now, as far as I know. And this happens on a regular basis. So it, it's just, it's really interesting, uh, at least that aspect of the polishing. And I, and I get questions that are around that on a weekly basis. So it's really not, it's not really not about you know, whether it's hard or soft, really. 
it, it's about the the single pass and adjusting yeah, to what it's you're about seeing. The, yeah, the contamination, or in our case, it's literally it's a protective layer. But in our case, it's contaminating our pads, our liquids, installing our cut. So we have to find a workaround, and that is again that that terminology of shock and awe using an an abundance of liquid, an unusual amount of liquid. Uh, to get the job done, to get it so that things stay fluid, so the pad can do its work, which which also is interesting because if you use too much liquid with certain pads, you're not going to get any work done because the pad is hydroplaning. It's floating. Uh, so you might be trying this with a foam pad, and the foam pad can't keep in contact with the actual paint or the polymer layer or sealant layer because it's floating in compound or polish. It's hydroplaning. Yeah, like a so, car. Yeah, hydroplaning. On yeah, that. it's not guaranteed that if you have a pad with a liquid on a car that you're going to get this done. You do have to have certain aspects of, of certain characteristics built into your pad that allow it to stay in contact with the paint. So lots of wool strings that have voids between them, microfiber that has an ability to cut through things, you know. So... It's not, it's, it's not a guarantee, like squirt a bunch on there, use that pad and go, because it's, it's going to fail in certain situations. You have to be reasonable in your expectation. But, yeah, it's proven itself time and time again over the years. It, it, it's, it's resolved the hard paint problem. Right. I think it's a further you know, emphasis or um, it, it makes more sense to me to think to have fewer tools, fewer products. And really focus on how to manipulate those products in tools a certain yeah. way. And I think this is just an example of how it's another procedure, another method, another approach with the same things, as opposed to the "Hey, this is really hard. This product stinks. This tool stinks. This pad stinks. Whatever. I need something yeah. else." It's like whoa, 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 like just chill for a second. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, hey, you need if you're chasing your tail like that. Well, you need a better. You need a better compounder. You need a better polisher. You need a better pad. Try this one. Try that one. Try. Well, that's just chasing your tail. And eventually, we've talked about this in, in a podcast. Eventually, you're going to stumble across a combination that works. But man, that's a that's a long road, and that's going to that's a long and expensive road. Right. Use the 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 mix and match option of. You're playing the lottery. Yourself. You're kind of you're gambling a little yeah. bit here. You're just like, oh, maybe this one with that one with this one with that one. It's like. I remember in the beginning when I was detailing years ago, I have a detailing book of combinations of things that I thought would work on cars back in the day. Um, you know, looking back, I think it was fun and, you know, I was motivated and whatever. But, you know, now in the future, looking back at that, it's like, oh, wow, that was such a waste of energy. No, no that's a good point. That brings <laughs> up another conversation. And again, these are guys that I respect. Mm -hmm. These are customers. These are guys that are saying, I need help. And, I'm a pretty proud guy, but I got to call you because I don't know what's going on. So I'm not, I'm not downplaying intelligence or ability. I'm just saying they haven't contemplated that this may be the problem. So therefore, it must be hard pain, or it must be right. that my machine's not as good, or my pad's not good. I need to use brand X instead of brand Y. So I had a guy that had a similar problem on a motorcycle, could not get it to finish. The haze problem, no matter what he did. Haze, haze, haze. And he had... Uh, so was he saying, hey, my pain is too soft, I'm getting haze. Is that what he's saying? Yeah, yeah I can't, I'm getting tick marks, which means basically not only am I getting haziness from my pad, 
but I'm creating a new defect that wasn't there before. And it's in, in the form of a pigtail, meaning it's got a little, it's like a comma, right? It's like a dot with a little telltale on sure. it, like, like a comet or a comma. So he's creating new problems. Well, that's a telltale sign that your pad's loading up. And there's, there's, a, there's, there's a buildup of paint or abrasive or a coating or a wax, and it's causing the debris and the abrasive to clump on the pad, stick to the pad, momentarily drag, creating this comma or pigtail, and then release and do it again in multiples across the entirety of the pad. So uh, basically walked him through processes. And he tried everything. I tried this. I tried 205. I tried 105. I tried this brand. I tried that. I tried all these things. And in the end, one of the problem, one of the products he tried first resolved the issue. And in this case, it was 205. Oh, so he came, he came, he came full circle back is what you're saying? Full circle from three days prior. Right. And so after all of this, he said, man, I'm going to put this in my book. So what do you mean? So I keep a book of of the products that work. I just did a black such and such car. I don't remember the name of the car and I've got it in the book that the next time I do one of those to go to this pad and this liquid. I said, well, that's not going to work. So what do you mean? So that's not going to work. You just told me. I said, so think about it for a minute. You got to change your procedure. You can't go to the book. Okay. Because what worked before may not work this time. This, this paint was different. It was cutting rapidly. Um, but assuming that they're both the same paint off the same assembly line on the same day, the same painter, you're not going to have the same result. Um, I haven't seen the motorcycle. Okay, you're telling me what you're seeing and what you're doing. I'm asking you to do this, put the buffer down, tell me the result. Then I make a change and I tell you to do this and you give me feedback. And we're doing this back and forth. And I've got you to a conclusion of, hey, the 205 did the job. The product that you used three days ago that failed actually succeeded. So I was able to diagnose your problem, sight unseen, with your feedback. I didn't touch the buffer. I didn't see the paint. And you're completely satisfied and blown away. And what did the trick was the product that you used three days ago that failed. How does the book help you with that? You have to diagnose. You have to look at what's happening and make adjustments. The book is, is useless in that regard. Trying to rely on the book and not teaching yourself is going to cause another failure. If you follow what I'm saying is that right. you have to analyze and remember and, 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 and on the fly make adjustments to quantities, the number of passes, the, the time, you know, those kind of things. So just was interesting. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the story and the whole purpose of the videos and the podcast is to, is to you know, be in that situation as the people listening going like, oh, okay, now I have a different plan of action. Okay, it doesn't make sense for me to write down stuff because the paint's changing on every single vehicle, and it's not just uh, put my blindfold or you know, blindfolds on, follow the recipe, and go. You know, right. If you can say, well, I, you know, paint comes off at a certain rate on this on this particular car, coming off a little faster than I need it to or want it to, or it's actually causing a problem because the pad's loading up. What do I do? Okay, well, I can either use a bigger pad. I can use more liquid. I can do less passes with the, num the quantity of liquid I'm using. There's a lot of adjustments you make, nothing to do with changing 
the actual products you're using. You know, well, in the case of changing the pad diameter, that that would be one, but not saying to change the pad design. So, yeah, it's just it's just a new mindset of let's just pretend I'm stuck with this pad, this one liquid, this one machine. I have to stay here till this is finished. I have nobody to back me up. Now what do I do? You, you paint yourself in a corner mentally, and it really forces you to diagnose. Like, okay, wait a minute. You know, you can think back of times like, hey, remember that time I used foam, but then I switched to microfiber, and the microfiber did the job? Huh, why did the microfiber actually work? What was different about the microfiber's characteristics and actions versus the foam pad's characteristics and actions? And you can deduce, well, you know, you can you can analyze that just from being – mechanically inclined or working on things or just relating to other you know, segments of your life. And you can, you can deduce like, Oh, okay, that makes sense. Now, now I have a better understanding of why pad a or B or C change the result. It's not a magic pad or a magic foam or a special foam that nobody's got. It's the characteristics of the design that caused the change. So that's all I'm saying. And I'm going to beat this in time and time again that if you have good products in general then procedure trumps changing products constantly when you learn procedure and analyze your results you're going to become much better at paint polishing get the job done quicker be more satisfied make more money if you're doing this as a job or have more satisfaction if you're doing it as a hobby right i actually think there's an even bigger that is huge i think there's even a overall theme within the detailing community or whatever where you us having this conversation and then actually implementing it and people doing it and doing this deduction like hey if this is happening let's do this and if that's happening let's do that as opposed to the blindfold methodology that's furthering our escape out of the grease monkey kind of thing that i feel like you know we as detailers get pinned as you know i mean like here let me throw you the keys i call it throwing the key syndrome like go clean my car, son, you know, that kind of thing. Like uh-huh. as, as we did, I think as we sort of spread as much of this uh, reasoning and deduction and like not just doing like step one, do this, step two, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, well, you see where I'm going with this? It's like now somebody's coming in and like, hey, I'm coming to you because, y- you know, you, you've accumulated all these skills and I feel like if we all can start using this, you know, the methodology that you're talking about here, it sort of brings the entire, you know, raises the tide for everybody as opposed to the, I guess what I'm saying is the, the, the consumer out there sometimes, and I have a chip on my shoulder and I make sure I say that all the time, but, you know, they think, hey, you know, washing a car is less important than a CPA or whatever. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't, I don't know. But I just know that when we're doing super complicated cars like this, there is a lot of, um, mental deduction, a lot of work that's being done. That's not just like, well, step one is just wash the car where the customer doesn't come in and be like, Hey, I could do this, but the opportunity cost of time is I'm just going to have you do it for cheaper. Cause I'm more expensive and I can go do whatever I got to do. I, I, w- a lot of people can't do that because we're doing, you're, we're doing a lot of mental lifting. And I think, d- you know, the details, the first hour of the detail, you know, once, once you're figuring out what the paint is doing and reacting, I haven't quite, solidified my thought i think obviously you can tell so i'm all over the place but i'm always trying to get these bigger (laughs) these bigger these bigger themes in my mind when i hear you talk i'm like man like this is only promoting the detailing industry as being big as being 
sci- not scientific. I, I can't come up with the right word. Do you understand what I'm talking about or no? Well, I, I don't know if what, exactly what you're trying to say, but I can say this, that, and now I don't know what I'm trying to say, mm. but, but yeah, <laughs> the there's new products, the new products that come out. Do you need them? I don't know. Maybe some people do, maybe some don't, but there's also industry standards. And, and, and I guess what I'm saying is that you can certainly use a buffing liquid that's been around for eight to 10 years, or you can use one that was just developed last month. But if it's an industry standard, meaning over time it's proven itself to be reliable and deliver a world-class result in the right hands, then you don't need to change that liquid or pad or machine that's been an industry standard. You just need to say, well, I have trust that I'm using a product or, or a system you know, a machine, a pad, a liquid that for, in large part has proven itself to be able to deliver or achieve a great result in the right hand. Mm. Well, okay, that's a good basis. Well, so, so, so teach yourself. Say, okay, I'm going to use this machine and this liquid, but I'm going to, and I'm going to use a similar procedure. I'm going to use two back and forth passes or three back and forth passes on this test hood or test panel or my car. But I'm only going to change the pads. I'm not going to change my speed of machine or my quantities of liquid or my number of pads. I'm just going to change the pads, and I'm going to see what, what, how that affects my outcome. Does it cut faster or slower, haze less or more, et cetera? Now I'm going to look and say, well, what could have caused that from this pad A to pad B? Why did pad B do a better job cutting but left more marks? You can use your eyes and you can use deductive reasoning and say, well, this one's got big strings. This one's got little strings. What, what happens when I use a big string versus a little string on a pad? Right? Mm-hmm. You, you, know, you use deductive reasoning and you're going to teach yourself, oh, it makes sense that the big pad was able to cut this paint faster but left really deep string marks because they're thicker. You know? So basically I have – a quarter of the string, so I'm putting four times the force on each string, so it cuts in deeper, but yeah, it left deep string marks because these are fat strings, where that one, it didn't cut to the same degree, maybe because it distributed the, the machine or polishing energy over a wider area, but it left it look, looking nicer. You know, that's very basic deductive reasoning, and that's really a great starting point. So if you want to learn this, and without having to go to a school or having somebody teach you, then you you minimize your options. You may minimize what you change, right. and you do those one at a time, and look for the little nuances of you know things that change, and and that's going to help tremendously. I I, really, I agree yeah. with what you're saying. Uh, I, just to simply go back and make sure I don't get made fun of too much for my last point that was rambling. I, let me. <laughs> Because <laughs> even yeah. I'm like, what the hell am I talking about? I'm trying to make a point and I can't get it quite out. But basically, while you were no, talking, are you while we're talking here? Because you're really not focused. Yeah, no, well, yeah, no. I was, uh, you know, I was, I was, I was washing my car while we were doing it. Yeah. Um, I'm, my point is this. Let's see if I can get this out. I go to a mechanic to diagnose an issue on my car. I don't go to him because I don't have the time to do the repair. He he knows how to repair it and he can diagnose the issue. He's got the skills and he's able to go through and, and, and address it or repair it properly. I'm saying if we keep on this path that you're talking about and diagnosing and, and really understanding the science behind it and being more precise and efficient and, and, and creating a better car, I'm hoping the public will consider us the same as a mechanic 
in terms of the public perception. Yeah. Versus okay. like, hey, this is just a dude where I don't have like I don't have the time to go wash my car, but I just, I know how to do it. Like I just I don't have the time. Let him do it. That pushes downward. That's a downward pressure on price. Where when you go to the mechanic, you're like, sorry, I don't know how to change the manifold on the thing or whatever, right? And you're like, I trust him. He's going to diagnose it. My car is going to be back. I'm mm-hmm. hoping these discussions and my dream and you know, 10, five, whatever years that we can raise the detailing from, as I mentioned, the chip on my shoulder of, Hey, throw the keys to clean it up, kiddo. And let me go again. You know, let me drive yeah. again. Do you, do you well, get my point now? Well, sure. And that, and that comes from uh, the fact of, man, you know, this guy nailed it, knocks it out of the park. Every time my guy knows everything there is to know about these cars. Every time I've taken it to him, he's gotten it right. He's gotten to the point. Oh, he's got, you know, he's got experience. He's, right. he's diagnosed things. He's got the right tools. But this is the thing is you could say, hey, I like brand X compound, right? Well, one guy will say, yeah, I've been using it for, for years and knocks it out of the park every time. Another guy says, yeah, but it's a little dusty. Yeah. And another guy says, yeah, it's okay, but it really sticks to the paint. Okay. One liquid with three vastly different uh, perceptions of you know, good or not good or having a problem. I can tell you factually that the two guys that have issue with the dusting or the stickiness, we can resolve that with procedure. There's sensible things that are occurring to cause the dusting or to cause the stickiness. Um, as an example, the stickiness. Well, why is this? Why is it such a nightmare to to wipe this compound off this paint, man? I mean, most of the time it works pretty good, but man, on this paint, it just stuck like glue. Right. Well, I say, well, hey, did it did it stick on the first pass? Well, I don't know. Okay. Well, are you working on the car now? Yeah. Okay. Let's try it. Put on your normal amount of liquid, and do a a one way pass. They do that. Did it wipe off? Oh, yeah. It's not even used up, though. It's still kind of white. Okay, fine. Do a second pass. Same area, right? And inevitably, we'll, we'll step it up and we'll find out, boom, okay, on the fifth pass or the sixth pass, it was sticking. Or I should, I should back myself up and say, when you're, t- when you're testing for stickiness, you don't, you're not adding new liquid. You use what's there. Like, okay, so, all right, so the guy did the, the test pass and... I had him wipe it, and I said, did it stick on that, that one pass? No. Okay, let's do this. Continue on that, but don't add any liquid, and do another pass, wipe, do another pass. And inevitably what happens is they're using the compound, okay, and they're long cycling it. In other words, they're using that quantity of liquid for a long time hmm. because it doesn't lose its cut. It's still continuing to cut. So, hey, if it's going to cut, I'm going to keep using it till it don't cut. Or till it's gone, or it's went, it's gone clear. In other words, the perception is, hey, the liquid went clear, meaning it broke down. The abrasives have diminished. Well, they didn't diminish; they stuck to your pad. That aluminum oxide abrasive grain, those thousands of abrasive grains, stuck to your pad. Aluminum oxide is very hard and durable, but when it's stuck to your pad, the face of your pad is no longer soft and supple. It's now loaded with a hard particle. It's also loaded with paint residue, which is relatively hard compared to, let's say, a foam pad. So now your foam face of your pad 
is loaded with aluminum oxide, one of the hardest materials known to man that we use in our business, and paint residue, and you've created a hard barrier on the pad. Nothing can go penetrate that hard barrier now. So any remaining abrasive or paint residue is now rolling around between this hard-faced pad and this relatively fresh and soft and flexible, malleable paint surface. What do you think is going to happen? Where's that little abrasive grain or paint residue clump going to stick? Is it going to stick to the hard-faced pad or the softer, supple paint that's you know at a higher temperature and expanded mm. and more able to hold on to that abrasive? That's why it's sticking. You see what I mean? Mm. So there's a reason why where one guy has, I don't ever have that problem at all with stickiness, never had a problem. And the other guy's like, yeah, it's a nightmare for me. You could just about watch him side by side, and you're going to see, well, look at He stopped in two passes and wiped his panel. This guy went until it was gone. It went, he went three minutes. So there's an example that is actually an example of what happens day to day out there that deems a product, ah, I love it. Oh, I hate it because it dusts. Oh, I hate it because it sticks. And procedure is what causes the issues. You know, mm -hmm. dusting... Dusting isn't a byproduct always of that you've evaporated all the emollients or the solvents or they have absorbed into the pad. Dusting can be as simple as, man, I've been using this stuff for three minutes and I'm just ripping and I've got speed six going, light pressure, my pad's staying clean. So I'm just continuing to use this compound. It's rolling around. It's rolling around. Wow, it sure is dusty. Well, why is it dusty? Well, you've cut so much paint and the paint has encompassed the abrasive grains. Now they're like little spheres that roll around. They're not grabby and grippy like uh, barbs on a barbed wire fence they don't stick to the pad they don't grip to the paint they just roll around it's like having you know flour that you rolled around and and or i'm sorry dough that you roll around in flour to to buffer it from sticking it's a buffering agent it's it, it, it in other words it doesn't when you use the flour and you roll up the dough against it it doesn't stick to the rolling pin or to the roll or to the board because it's got a buffering agent the the powdery flour doesn't let it stick same thing happens with the abrasive grains, they get so loaded with paint residue that they encompass the, the grippiness or the aggressiveness of the, the topography or the texture of the abrasive grain, and they don't stick. They roll around and they they're dust. They roll around and they become dust because they're rolling away and they're not controlled for whatever reason, for either because you did use it too long or loaded with paint residue, or in fact, it did uh, evaporate all its emollients. So again, procedure caused the dusting issue it caused the stickiness issue it caused the high high satisfaction rate for that same exact compound i'm actually writing this down <laughs> no you don't need to write it down you can listen to your podcast yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i keep forgetting yeah sticking dusting so basically procedure is king this is okay uh we're at 35 minutes sorry people i'm cutting kevin off Cutting um, that last five minutes out. Yeah, I'm cutting the my ramble. That's gonna come. <laughs> no, I'm too lazy. Yeah, yeah. Listen, sometimes uh, you know it's good. Sometimes it's bad. You guys can make fun of me if you want. All right. So um, yeah, you know where to find Kevin uh, BuffDaddy.com. You know where to find me AmmoNYC.com. Um, yeah, if you have any questions or you, you have some cool ideas, I have to set this up. By the way, <laughs> at, at the at the time of me doing this podcast, it's not even set up. But you can uh, email podcast at AmmoNYC.com with ideas or things that you want to hear or, you know, suggestions or just say how awesome Kevin is. That's cool too. Um, but uh, if it's something that's, uh, you know, 
works with a topic of, of the day or whatever, I may email you back and say, hey, why don't you call in and you can ask live and you can chat with Kevin and I don't know, might be fun. So we're going to play with that too. But in the meantime, I should probably set up podcast at amonyc.com because it's not set up at the moment. So yeah. it's probably a good idea. What do you think? Um, yeah, anything else? Well, actually, save it. If there's anything else, save it. We'll, we'll do it on another podcast. Uh, as always, thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.